found your home for real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700 KBGG. Hour number two of the program. Trent kind of back with you on a Monday. A Monday look back at the weekend that was and the day that was. Again, the Cubs fall today to the Brewers. 3-2-1 setting up a wild card game tomorrow for the Cubs at Wrigley Field. They will take on whoever falls today between the Dodgers and the Rockies. And right now it's looking like the Rockies. A 4-0 lead for the Dodgers as they play. Bueller been outstanding for the Dodgers as he is back out on the bump. 4-0. Again, the score there in the National League West tiebreaker. Colorado with the loss will make their way to Wrigley Field tomorrow. We'll keep an eye on that all throughout the next hour. Right now, time to talk some NFL. Joining us, our old friend Ryan Van Bibber from SB Nation. You find him on Twitter at just RVB, and he joins us here today. Ryan, what's the good word? Oh, not much, man. Just uh, recovering from a wild Sunday yesterday. It was a wild Sunday. There were so many different things going on, decisions that are looking questionable, uh, head scratchers, uh, referee decision, on and on and on. But <laughs> I want to start with something we didn't see a whole lot about, and I mentioned this at the top of the program today, we didn't see a whole lot of flags for personal fouls on the quarterbacks. Is it defense's understanding what they can do? Is it a edict from the NFL? Hey, let's slow down those flags a little bit. What is happening, or is it just one week and you don't want to read too much into it? Well, I mean, you always hate to read too much into it, but, I mean, the penalty numbers were down pretty substantially as far as, uh, you know, the roughing the passer calls have gone. And, um you know, I think it goes back to, you know, what the, the competition committee had a conference call last week. They didn't change the rule, but it's kind of like they did with the helmet rule that was such a, such a point of controversy during the preseason. They, they offered some quote unquote clarification on how to call it, which essentially gave refs a little bit more discretion in how they called it. So you don't have the situation like last week, you know, the Clay Matthews sack on Alex Smith in Washington that, you know, under any normal circumstance, 99 out of 100, circumstances would never be a penalty but you know that's just kind of where the nfl puts the rest so i think you saw him ease up a little but i think the only one yesterday was that was really kind of a head scratcher was the arden key hit on um baker mayfield and the and the raiders um browns game but and that wasn't really a body weight thing that had been part of the controversy that was just sort of a you know in a game full of head scratching calls that was probably the third third or fourth least mystifying call they made in that one well, let's get into the games and what we saw. And starting with Fitzmagic, it was fun while it lasted, but uh, it appears it is over and now officially over. <laughs> Jameis Winston going to get the start when they come back after their bye week in week five. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> it always is. That. That's kind of the, the Fitzmagic story, right, in a nutshell yeah. right there. It's always uh, the peaks are high, and he hit, I think he hit his highest peak yet, but but the valleys are low, so uh, and he got got right back there, and and I think you know too, you know, Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay has a needs to figure out what they've got in Winston and see if this is you know the guy that they're committed to over the long term. Obviously, you know he's had his problems off the field, and you know they have to think about how that plays long term and whether or not you know they've got the fifth year option for him picked up for next season, but they've got to kind of make sure that that's you know worth keeping and then you know if they then give him an extension for the long haul on the other side you have Mitchell Trubisky throwing for six yes six touchdown passes 
I, I don't think anybody had that probably a prop up for him throwing six <laughs> touchdown passes this weekend. The Bears jump out to a 38-3 halftime lead. They cruise in in the second half. The Bears alone in first in the north at 3-1. and one. How big of a believer should I be or should I continue to be tepid like I, I feel like I should be with my Bears right now? Yeah, I mean, tread lightly. You never know. I mean, I feel like the Packers are kind of off. This is a, The Packers' slow starts are nothing new for the Packers, but this start feels a little slower, you know, than, than past slow starts have for them. And obviously, I, you know, I don't know what's wrong with the Vikings, but we've seen that, you know, two weeks now where they've just been kind of embarrassed by the Bills and then, you know, not able to hang with the Rams and in, in even sort of the same category. So, I mean, right now it's the Bears' division to lose. I think what I like about the Bears, and I think why there's real reason to be hopeful here, is that you're not obviously going to get a six-touchdown game every week from Trubisky, but, you know, they have the other parts in place to win games. Now, I think where you, you know, the situation, if the Bears ever get in a, a situation where they're trailing by 20, 25 points, something like that, that's a little, it's, it's similar to what you've seen with the Jaguars, you know, not to compare <laughs> Trubisky to Blake Bortles, but it is sort of a similar approach in that, you know, like, let's play really good defense and run the ball really well and, you know, be creative with our offense and get a lead on people and let our defense do the heavy lifting. And that's a, you know, that's a formula that wins games in the NFL. It is. That defense certainly outstanding. Trubisky, still a little bit concerned about the offensive line. They haven't been great running the football. Haven't seen Jordan Howard be able to get on track, but it's one that that leaves you at least hopeful with the Vikings' struggles that they have. The Packers, who knows how long Aaron Rodgers is going to step up. Take us to the Packers. They come back, they beat the Bills, beat them easily. Buffalo goes back to what we anticipated there. What are you seeing with the Packers right now? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is probably injured a little bit more than we've been led to believe. I mean, he can he can play through it, but you know, when you don't have your plant when your plant leg isn't isn't where it's supposed to be health-wise, it limits you a little bit. And especially Rodgers because you think about how much work he does outside of the pocket, you know, it, it's just it, he needs to be able to have his full range of mobility and he doesn't have that right now and that shows. I think too there's just I mean, there's the slow start aspect. The defense is a little bit better than they have been. I think they're still underachieving a little bit. I think that, you know, the running game's still not kind of where it needs to be, especially now that you have a quarterback who is limited physically. So, you know, there's a there's a collection of things, and, and none of them aren't things that they can't get over, especially as Rodgers gets healthy, if, if they keep him healthy and he stays healthy through the season. A game that I'm sure not a ton of people were watching, Seattle and Arizona. Two bad teams, but I think we all saw the highlight after Earl Thomas went down with the injury, a broken leg. He, uh, well, he threw up the, the old salute at the sideline for the <laughs> Seahawks. Frustration, you understand, and I think you can couple that with Le'Veon Bell. Maybe this is why he's sitting out, because injuries in football certainly can happen anytime. Was Earl Thomas right, though, with his anger directed at the Seahawks bench? Um, I, you know, he's an emotional guy. And you remember last time this happened to him when he broke his leg, same leg. He, you know, the, the practically the first thing out of his mouth was that he was going to retire. And he, obviously he did not retire. So, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's got a history of sort of, uh, of, of reacting hastily like that. But, you know, there was bad blood with him and the team. He wanted out or he wanted a new contract and 
and the team wasn't willing to do that for him. And, and you know, he has a he has a fair point when he says that he's got to go out there and put his body on the line and the team isn't willing to commit to him beyond this season. So, you know, it's sort of a, you understand his frustration, you know, with that situation and then why maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gave them the Bronx salute on the way out there. <laughs> it was uh, at least entertaining and, and fun watching uh, them try to blurt out his finger. I mean, come on, come on, ESPN. We don't need to NFL Network. We, <laughs> we know what he's doing back behind that blur, but here we are. You know, uh, another question I had for you, kind of off the beaten path. Titans get another victory. This time they do it against the Eagles. They come roaring back to get that game. The AFC certainly looks down. How good could this Tennessee Titans team be a year ago? Incredibly impressive going into Kansas City and winning a playoff game. They have a new coach. They have a guy that I know a lot of people respect in Vrabel. Just how good can Tennessee be? I, I, I'm i kind of anxious to see that myself because right now they're hanging there with Jacksonville. I mean, as a matter of fact, they technically lead that division even though they have the same record just because they beat the Jags. But I mean, it's a cre- look. They've won games with Blaine Gabbert at starting quarterback. That's not easy to do. I mean, you know, this is they're creative. I mean, Vrabel deserves a lot of credit in getting them. He's really doing a great job getting the most out of his players. He's putting them in positions to succeed with his coordinators. I mean, I don't think anybody looked at the Titans roster at the beginning of the season and thought, you know, just based on who they have, you know at starting positions in their backups is, is, is a team that's going to compete even in the NFC, even in the AFC South with teams like Houston and Jacksonville who were really loaded on paper. But, you know, here we are, they're 3-1, and one, and they find ways to win, and I think it's, a, it's really a testament to Vrabel. He may not be a coach of the year guy because that usually goes to sort of the, you know, the teams that get a little bit further into the playoffs. I'm not sure that the Titans are there yet, but, uh, you know, he certainly deserves some props with what he's done there. Who's a team under the radar you're still hopeful for? You know, the Browns at 1-2-1, one, and one, you certainly can make an argument that team should be 4-0. They gave away the Steelers game, the kicker lost in the Saints game, and then we see what happens yesterday. Is there a team that, that you're still hopeful for? Maybe they're not 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, but you still think it's a really good team. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chargers, I'm not hopeful for just because they have such a history of being parentally disappointing. But, like, you know, they're 2-2 two and two right now. It, they're, it's kind of fluky. They should be better than they are. They have talent. I mean, they have, you know, I don't know. This probably doesn't affect the product on the field, but that whole weird situation with that soccer stadium they play in in Los Angeles and just the fact they're sort of like, you know, Los Angeles' orphan sports team that doesn't really have a lot of fans. and it's. Um, but there's too much talent for them to be kind of, middle of the pack right now and i think that they can you know what the chargers have done in the past there's a well-documented precedent for this is they'll come on with a little surge late in the season and uh but you know they still don't have joey bosa back so there's things like that that aren't aren't playing to their favor but they'll make a late season run and it just won't quite be enough with that i want to ask you a question with a local angle to it as we saw the 49ers obviously a week ago lose jimmy g former Iowa Hawkeye quarterback C.J. Beathard's out there. We saw him last year as a rookie, struggled mightily at times. It looks like certainly improvement is there. He got bumped around. He got hit all over the place behind that putrid 49er offensive line. Do you think C.J. Beathard can become a starter in this league, a full-time starter, a guy that somebody counts on to be their guy? 
Well, I mean, he's going to have, we're going to find out this year because, I mean, he's the best option the 49ers have. I mean, there's nobody else they can bring in off the wire and, and throw him into the offense and expect them to do any better. So, I mean, you know, we'll know by December if he stays healthy. I mean, you know, like you said, with that offensive line, that's not a, you know, that's not an easy bet to, to do right now. But, you know, the, the thing I like is Kyle Shanahan's there. Kyle Shanahan's one of these coaches. He really understands quarterbacks. He doesn't try to force the quarterback into a system that doesn't fit what he, what the guy's capable of doing. He can tailor it to a quarterback. He's really good about that. I think it's a good pairing. This is what, you know, this is obviously with Trubisky, you get the first-round pedigree for him. But, you know, with Nagy in Chicago and Andy Reid in Kansas City, these guys know how to handle quarterbacks. They know how to coach a quarterback to maximize their potential. And I think that's a really good situation. And the 49ers are going to, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo's the starter there going forward. He's the franchise quarterback. They've invested in him heavily, but... You know, we're going to know this year if CJ can be a little bit more than, you know, just a backup. One more on Sunday's games, then we'll take a look at tonight as we're talking with Ryan Van Bibber from SB Nation. I guess the Patriots dynasty isn't over? <laughs> it never really is, is it? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we, you know, the, the early season freakouts, September freakouts about the Patriots are really nothing new. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen this before. I mean, there, there's always one statement game when they turn it around, and, you know, they did that yesterday with a Dolphins team that went in there looking like a pretty good team. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're kind of back to wondering if this is the same Dolphins team we're used to seeing. And, and I think that, you know, they get the Colts at in New England this Thursday night, and it's not a very good Colts team they're going to be playing. So it's just they'll be fine. They're getting Edelman back this week. That's obviously going to open things up for them. You know, Gronk is – probably going to play he's a little iffy right now but you know when you get Edelman back in there that means they're you know you know Gronk's not going to be double and triple teamed as much as he has been this season um I'm a little concerned if I'm a Patriots fan about that defense over the long haul but I think they are a bit better than they were last year and last year they were good enough to get to the Super Bowl so it's uh you know I hate to be like this I'm certainly not a Patriots homer but the AFC is still theirs to lose until further notice. Yeah, I, I mentioned the Tennessee Titans. I'm not getting real excited, though, about picking <laughs> Mariota and the Titans over the Patriots in January. I don't think I can pull the trigger quite on that one. <laughs> well, finally tonight, maybe there is still a team in the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs, after their 3-0 and start, they head out to Denver. You know, this is going to be the first national spotlight, though, with Monday Night Football there for Patrick Mahomes. Such an incredible start to the season. 13 touchdown passes already. The Denver defense isn't what it was a couple of years ago, but road environment, night game, Monday night football. How do you think that Patrick Mahomes is going to respond? I think it's going to be a big game for Mahomes. I mean, there's just, you know, you think about this Chiefs offense and as as amazing as they've been, and, you know, Mahomes is probably, you know, I think if you surveyed the, 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 the voters or anyone else in the media that he would probably be the pick for MVP right now. But uh, it's uh, <laughs> you got to think about this. They're doing all this, and they still really haven't got their running game going, you mm-hmm. know, to the extent that you're kind of used to seeing the Chiefs being able to run the ball. So you have a high-functioning offense that's still not, you know, as high-functioning as it could be. Uh, and the defense is a concern. I mean, I think, you know, I said the Patriots are still the favorite in the AFC. And I, I think, you know, the reason that you can't put the Chiefs in there just yet is because there are legitimate questions to ask about that defense. But those aren't, that's not going to be a problem against Case Keenum and the Broncos tonight. I mean, I, you know, the Chiefs don't have to have 
the 85 Bears to, to shut down the Broncos' offense. I think what the Chiefs have to do tonight is make sure Vaughn, because Vaughn Miller is still a guy who's capable of taking over a game all by himself. They just have to mitigate Vaughn Miller, and I think it's an easy win. You would think so. Shut that down, and Mitchell Schwartz has been very good in his career. Again, yeah. Vaughn Miller out there at the right tackle spot. Hey, Ryan, as always, love talking football with you. Thank you so much for your time. And got to be sad down there in St. Louis as we're watching the tiebreaker games today and the Cardinals <laughs> not involved. Yeah, it's a little rough, but, you know, no Matheny, so I, I think there's hope for next year. <laughs> hope for the future now with no Matheny. Good stuff. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Trent. That's right, Van Bivers stopping by. Talking NFL with us on a Monday, Monday Night Football. We have you covered right here tonight on 1700, your home and away voice of the Kansas City Chiefs across central Iowa, 1700. Mitch Holtis will have the call this evening. We get the break. We're coming back on the other side. Going to talk some college football and look at the Big 12. Iowa State, plenty of opportunities against TCU over the weekend. What went wrong and now, another road trip this week to Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, they got their own set of issues. We'll get into that with Derek Duke from Heartland College Sports. That comes your way next as we take you up until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC. High school football each and every Friday night right here on your home for high school sports, 1700 KBGG. Friday night starting at 7 o'clock. Build your business. At Sinorama of Ribbondale, we offer customized solutions for signs, branding, marketing, and advertising. We have a full range of custom sign and graphic services to meet your needs, build your brand, and create your image. Look around and you'll see how Andy Woodley and his staff help businesses enhance visibility and get noticed. Let us work with you to understand your unique marketing goals and help you reach them. Sinorama of Ribbondale, the way to grow your business. 3368 100th Street in Urbandale and online at sinorama.com slash ia dash Vehicle advertising print wraps can be seen tens of thousands of times a day. If you want to increase your advertising footprint with the full or partial final print wrap on your business vehicle, go to CompleteAutoWraps.com. Complete Auto Wraps also specializes in full color change color wraps. Change the color of your vehicle or add a customized look with a print wrap to your vehicle, motorcycle, or boat. Don't pay big dealership or national sign chain prices when you can get yours installed by a professional trained and certified installer. Contact Corby for more information or a free estimate at CompleteAutoWraps.com. This report sponsored by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is simple so you can understand the details and be sure you're getting the right mortgage. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Visit rocketmortgage.com today. Licensed in all 50 states, equal housing lender, NMLS number 3030. Rake in big savings during Menard's Oktoberfest sale. Save big on any painting or staining project with Purdy. Whether it's a deck, your living room, or a fun craft project, Purdy has the brush or roller you need to get the job done right. Right now, all Purdy brushes and rollers are on sale. Pick up a three-pack of roller covers or a two-inch paintbrush, your choice, $8.99. Sale price is good through October 13th. Now, during Menard's Oktoberfest sale. Save big money at Menard's. Everyone is a champion in their own way, but aches and pains can make you want to give up on your training or workout. Instead of relying on pain medication to power through, stay active with help from Champions Recovery Room and Physical Therapy. They give you a personal touch to work towards your own wellness goals. With athletic recovery programs to outpatient orthopedic therapy, Angela Spencer PT of Champions Recovery Room will get you feeling your best. Champions Recovery Room and Physical Therapy, 3030 100th Street in Urbandale and online at championsrecoveryroom.com. 
Yo, we driving, yup. We living our best life and my car smells fresh. But we weren't always driving, it was you, girl. Told you so. Who pointed out that smell? Now it's all fun, the odor's gone. For Breeze car works so well. Come on, keep driving, keep driving, let's go. Oh boy, your car smells For Breeze car, yeah, yeah, let's go. That's right. No more odors in my ride now, let's go. Since 1993, Wolf Construction has been Des Moines' choice for residential and commercial roofing. From complete re-roofing to small leaks, call Wolf Construction at 225-8866 for your roofing needs. Call 225-8866 to set up your roofing consultation or online at wolfconstruction.net. That's wolfconstruction.net for Wolf Construction. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. wolfconstruction.net. I'm going to tell you something personal. I take Metamucil, and it's so amazing it makes me want to tell strangers on the radio. Metamucil is made from psyllium fiber, a naturally sourced plant-based fiber that traps and removes the waste that weighs you down. I take it every day, and it helps me feel lighter and ready to take on the world. So if you feel sluggish, it might just be your digestive system not working like it could. So try it for yourself, and then tell everyone you know, or not. Metamucil. Feel what lighter feels like. Guys, are you ready to begin your journey to live life better? Are you feeling tired and worn down or looking to improve performance and drive in the bedroom? Looking to burn fat and gain muscle? Then it's time to contact New Leaf Wellness. New Leaf Wellness offers a free, no-obligation consultation. Dr. Robert Seaman and the New Leaf staff will help craft a plan dedicated to you. From testosterone replacement therapy, advanced weight loss, to nutritional therapy, New Leaf Wellness strives to find the plan that will improve your quality of life. Dr. Robert Seaman and New Leaf Wellness. Give them a call today at 515-650-1358. Again, 515-650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. One more time, 515-650-1358. It's time to live life better with New Leaf Wellness. Call 515-650-1358. That's 515-650-1358. The Rookie is Central Iowa's leader in sports cards, collectibles, supplies, and memorabilia. The Rookie has a large selection of vintage and modern-day sports cards from brands such as Topps, Upper Deck, and Panini. Whether you're starting a new collection or building your own, The Rookie has all your needs from football, basketball, baseball, hockey, UFC, and more. It's time to collect. Stop by The Rookie, 9992 Swanson Boulevard, right across from the Willis Auto Campus. And online at therookiesportscards.com. It's time for your daily dose of Cyclone coverage on 1700 KBGG. Welcome back. Trent Condon here with you, taking up until 6 o'clock tonight. Time to get into the Big 12 in the Iowa State Cyclones. Joining us from Heartland College Sports. Derek Duke with us here on a Monday. Derek, what's the good word, my man? Oh, nothing much. Just another busy weekend, and I actually got back from uh, the trip out to Lubbock uh, for the Lubbock uh, Texas Tech West Virginia game. So I made that made that drive up there, and then came back Sunday. So still a little bit worn out, but you know, ready. Good to go for this upcoming weekend of games. It's going to be another great weekend of football. Well, you saw certainly an interesting game with West Virginia Texas Tech and. West Virginia came in. The defense looked outstanding. 
they, uh, well, made it difficult for that offense. And, of course, the quarterback injury that was sustained from Texas Tech played a part in that. But as you got your chance to see the Mountaineers in action for the first time, look, Derek, I was never a believer that this team was going to be good enough defensively to be that number two team in the Big 12 this year. I'm feeling like I was dead wrong, though. What did you see from the Mountaineers? You know, uh, from, the, from the Mountaineers' perspective, I look at the defense. I think that's where everybody kind of had the question mark was the defense because last year they gave up over 200 yards on the ground, and that was going to be the big question mark entering the season. And then, you know, they played Tennessee to start off the year, and, you know, they played – they just played Texas Tech, but now they just look so much improved from uh, on defense. They had a couple grad transfers slide in on that defensive line to really add some depth. And to me, they're just playing more aggressive. Uh, Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator there, is doing a great job. Uh, obviously, last year was a letdown, but this year they're picking things up right where they left off back in the 2016 season where they were just outstanding and really dominant. But uh, they're for real. Uh, they're, they're aggressive. They stop the run. They can play the pass. I thought they did a great job. Uh, Tony Gibson, defensive coordinator, mentioned when the quarterback change happened, when uh, Jet Duffy entered uh, the game for Texas Tech, they weren't prepared for his athleticism and, and running ability. So that kind of caught him off guard, so I'll kind of give him a pass. But, you know, We'll see how it goes moving forward, but I thought the defense, you know, did, they did their job for the most part, especially in that first quarter. Uh, Mountaineers were up 28-7. to I think we all kind of thought it was going to be over by that point, but that's certainly not how the game turned out to be. No, not at all. Came back, made that a game late in it. And Jet, he was doing his thing. A pick six, though, uh, did Texas Tech in in that one. Later on in the evening in the Big 12, we saw Iowa State make their way down to Fort Worth to take on the Horn Frogs, and again, offensively just not a ton there for Iowa State. Defense played well again, but in a losing effort, 17-14. to How concerned are you with this Iowa State offense and now David Montgomery banged up? Yeah, you know, it's a big concern. Uh, you know, this was the, que- this is the question mark I had entering the season. What was- I knew the defense was going to be good, you know, probably one of the best in the Big 12, but offensively is where the question marks play, and you know, ever since Kyle Kemp went down, I thought Zeb Nolan did a great job when he started the game against Oklahoma. I really thought he provided a spark in the offense, but then, you know, I thought it would be better. I thought they'd have a better vertical passing game downfield with guys like Akeem Butler, and it, it would look like that for a little while, but all of a sudden they're kind of just stuck in, in reverse here. Um, the you know, run blocking is not doing that great. The pass blocking, pass protection still needs some work. David Montgomery did go for over 100 yards, but other than that, you know, the team – I think their rushing average wasn't even their rushing totals weren't even 110 yards, and then you look at the passing game through the air. They only had 79 yards through the air in that TCU game. That was absolutely really brutal. It felt a lot like a throwback kind of game, you know, back in the 1970s and the 1980s, where they don't throw the football much because if you look at the stats, that's what it kind of looks like. But um, yeah, it is definitely definitely a concern, especially in this conference in the Big 12. You have to put up points each and every week uh, if you want to be successful and win some ball games. If you had to make a bet right now at even odds, will Iowa State make a bowl game? Will they get to the, to the six wins necessary to get there? Would you be betting on the yes to a bowl game or the no for the Cyclones? Right now, I have to say no. Uh, there's just too many question marks offensively for me to be confident and for them to say oh, they're going to win six games this season. Right now, you know they're sitting at one and three, so there's still a lot, of, a lot of work to be done. They do still get to play Kansas uh, and Baylor, but you know they still need a couple more wins from just that. So. They're definitely going to have to, uh, you know, have an upset or two in this season if they want to make a bowl. So there's still a lot, a lot of work to do. And kind of the biggest question I have right now, and I know a lot of other people mentioned as well. You know, Matt, Matt Campbell, he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. So right. obviously, I don't know if that that would have made much of a difference in this game, but I think it would have certainly helped uh, from the beginning of the year. 
Well, Tom Manning moved on, and not only was he the offensive coordinator, he was also the offensive line coach. And we have not seen that what well, we were kind of sold this summer and spring that this offensive line was going to be substantially better. That certainly has not been the case for ISU. They get Oklahoma State this week. Before we get into the Cowboys, though, I know, Derek, you were fired up last week. I know Pete Mundo was fired up last week at Heartland College Sports. Take us back to Gundy sticking his chest out and trying to basically uh, sway the media in a direction that he wanted. Take us inside that story from a week ago. Uh, I don't know if all the words I could say would be appropriate for or for radio. So I, 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 I got the beep ready. Bit. I got the beep ready. <laughs> so basically, uh, they have their their Tuesday presser as normal. It's all always a normal day, and then Stillwater. So first they'll interview Mike Gundy, and then they'll do the players, and it's it's the same thing every single week. There's no changes, but all of a sudden after after the game last week against Texas Tech, Jalen McCluskey, wide receiver, decides, well, I'm going to transfer. I'm going to redshirt, sit out this rest of the season. I'm going to transfer and move on to another school. And so Mike Gundy announced it right at the presser. Beginning of the presser, he announces it, no big deal. And then all of a sudden, he sends out his SID out uh, while the uh, media, the rest of the media is waiting on the, the players to come out for their one-on-ones. And he says, if anybody asks about the Jalen McCluskey transfer, you know, we're going to pull the players. You're not going to be able to talk to the players for the rest of the year. Hmm. And so, okay, and then, you know, the media said, well, okay, you know, they asked why, and then, you know, they got together, decided if they were going to ask for it or not. But many of them said they were going to be able, they were going to use that and write that in their story, that they were threatened. And then, obviously, things kind of went south from there. And uh, the SID and, I guess, Mike Gundy said, you know, don't even mention that in their story or else there could be possible consequences. So... A couple guys I know did mention it in their story. I believe the Tulsa World and the Ocali, which is the student newspaper there in Stillwater, did mention that uh, in their reports. And also, as well as crazy as it sounds, but I think one of the professors there at Oklahoma State uh, actually leaked some of the story as well. So uh, kind of just some inside job, really. But, uh, yeah, just absolute insanity uh, going on over there. And, you know, I don't agree with it. You know, I believe in the freedom of the press and everything like that. So I thought it was just kind of silly. What he really could have done is just, you know, told us, told his players, you know, if, if they ask about it, just say no comment, or I want to focus on this team. You say that, you move on, it's over and done with, but instead it becomes a national media story. Uh, just, it just goes all over the news everywhere. So, And, you know, he was asked about it again uh, after the win against Kansas, and, you know, he kind of tried to move on from it and just wanted to talk about the football game. But obviously since that was the first time the media got to see him since that moment, you know, they wanted to ask those questions, but uh, Mike Gundy really wasn't having it that day. You know, Gundy, he's uh, a soundbite machine. You have the flowing mullet. You have the quotes from years ago, I'm a man, I'm 40. What is he to deal with on a day-to-day basis? You know, I think Mike Gundy is one of those guys, he's fun to be around when he wins football games, but when he's, when his team starts going south or they start losing a couple games here and there, he's not so fun to be around. I think it, you know, it's been a while. You know, Oklahoma State's had so much success comparing when he first started there back in 2005 to where they are now. You know, back then, I think there were a lot of moral victories, so it was kind of just still happy-go-lucky, but now there are no more moral victories where they are as a program. So you look at it now, I think back in the 2014 season, I believe they were like 6-6 six and six or something like that. So that season, from what I've been told, was not a fun season for people who covered Oklahoma State that year. But really, every year since then has been just, you know, magical. It's been fantastic. So we haven't had any issues, but... Now, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild year right now, so we'll see how it goes. But if they start losing some games, I don't imagine he'll be a very fun person to be around. 
Yeah, you're exactly right on that one. Iowa State comes to town this weekend and certainly looking for a victory. And you got to figure out that would change the perspective there at Oklahoma State if the Cyclones could get a win. Looking forward to this week. Also, we get the Red River shootout. They'll never change it to me. It'll always be the Red River shootout, regardless of what they try to tell me the, the name of the thing is. Is it time, though, to move this thing away from the Cotton Bowl? Look, I'm not from the South. I've been to games in Oklahoma before. I've been to both uh, Stillwater and to Norman. But it just feels to me, my perspective, that this game would be a whole lot better actually being home and home, being in Austin, being in Norman every single year. Give me that Texas connection. Help me out. Am I wrong? I would have to say you're, you're not only wrong here, but you're definitely dead wrong. Okay. I think it's just it's a huge deal, and especially in the state of Texas and obviously the state of Oklahoma. It's just the atmosphere around that place. If, if you've ever been to the Cotton Bowl, obviously it has just great, great history. You look around the stadium, all kinds of stuff, you know, from previous years. And that was a big, big deal back in the day, you know, with the, it was a huge bowl game uh, back before we had all this BCS and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, definitely a huge game to play in. And it was the time of the year where Oklahoma and Texas, all the first or second Saturday in October, got together, and half the stadium burnt orange, and the other side, half, other half is crimson. So, it's a definitely, definitely an interesting sight to see. It's crazy. I always suggest, you know, if you're a college football fan, I think it's a definite uh, one of your should be on your bucket list of football games to go to. But not only that, that time of the year, this time of the year, when it's going on, they have the other Texas State Fair that that's happening or all around it. So. It's just a great sight to see. It's a great atmosphere. You know, go get a corn dog before, after the game, whatever you got to do. So I think just the atmosphere inside and outside the stadium is just something that you rarely see in college football today. You had me a corn dog. You, you sold me. And it is certainly <laughs> on my bucket list to get that one. And we don't have many of those. You know, for years, Auburn, Alabama played at Legion Field in Birmingham. That went away. I've talked to people that have been at all three places, say on campus is better, but it was still great back then. Just a thought, but certainly something that i got to do someday. Not sure if I'd be wearing the crimson or if I'd be wearing the burnt orange. Would have made my way down there. Maybe I'd just be neutral and sit, yeah, up, sit right in the middle neutral. of things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Derek, uh, to the game. And uh, what you expect to see. So For so many years, we've seen the underdog pull upsets here. Did Tom Herman and the Longhorns, could you see it? Not this year. I think I think the game's going to be lower scoring than what people think. I could think of the highest it would be in the high 20s for each team. Uh, but right now, I just look at Oklahoma's offense, and how do you stop Kyler Murray? I mean, he just does it on the ground, you know, through the air. Uh, we question his passing, his accuracy, you know, but when you have weapons like C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown on the outside, you just got to really get him the football and let him take care of the rest. So uh, I think that offense is just, so it's so high powered. It's on fire right now. Lincoln Riley calling the plays. One of the best young minds in all of college football. So that offense is just running like a well-oiled machine right now. And I don't know how you really stop it. Texas has a really good defense, probably the best in the Big Twelve. Uh, my question right now in this game, the difference in this game for me is the offense. Can Texas keep up with Oklahoma? Can they match them point for point? I'm not really sure if they can do that right now. I see Texas and Sam Ellinger at quarterback more of a game manager type of guy and that's great if you're dominating the game and you're ahead you know you can run the football really slow the game down run that clock out but if you're behind a touchdown or two i'm just not sure he's he's the guy for the and this offense is the type to really go out and go get you those points when you really really need them quickly at least one other game this week kansas state baylor is this for eighth ninth plus place in the league Boy, the, the Wildcats had chances against Texas, but 
it feels like it's petering out for Bill Snyder and company. Yeah, you know, this, what the loser of this game is can kiss their bowl dreams goodbye. I really, I really do believe that. Um, for Baylor, at least the difference in this game for me is going to be the Baylor offense because at least Baylor has somewhat of an offense where Kansas State, I'm still searching for answers. Is it going to be Alex Delton? Is it going to be Skylar Thompson? I have no idea. You know, Bill Snyder wants one quarterback. His, the rest of the staff wants the other. You know, it's kind of hard to say to pick Kansas State in this game when they can't even make their mind up on a quarterback and, you know, their decisions in-house, they can't even really agree on anything. So, to me, that has really been the issue for Kansas State this year. They've just been a, really a hot mess offensively. Defensively, you know, they have their moments here and there. I think this is the strong suit of their team, but I just don't see them keeping up in this game with Baylor. And Baylor, I really like what Charlie Brewer's been doing at quarterback and Denzel Mims at wide receiver. Uh, the Tennessee transfer, Jalen Hurd, has been stepping in and filling nice, in nicely at wide receiver. So uh, right now I really like what Baylor's doing offensively. Defensively, there's a ton, a ton of work so, to do for them. So not really sure who's going to win this game. If I had to say, I'd probably pick Baylor right now just because of where Kansas State is at. And so just, I have too many question marks about the Wildcats, just not only on the field but off the field as well. Talking Big 12 football with Derek Duke from Heartland College Sports. Derek, out of time for today. Thanks as always. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely, Trent. Thank you so much for having me on. Derek, good stuff from him as always. The guys at Heartland College Sports always pumping out great content. Find that Big 12 fans, heartlandcollegesports.com. Now, Iowa State, after the loss, and you remember a week ago, I was all in on the Zeb Nolan train, but after the performance against TCU, I get Gary Patterson knows how to coach defense, but I'm taking a step back from this is Zeb Nolan's job and Kyle Kemp. Shouldn't get it back. After what I saw, you got to take some chances up the field. you got to push that defense back. And when your offensive line isn't run blocking great, you got to be able to do more. Trent Condon, back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG minus the Jimmy B portion. He'll be back with us later in the week. Well, we get ready for Monday Night Football, of course, here tonight. Your home and away voice of the Kansas City Chiefs is 1700 KBGG. And every Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night football game, we have you covered as well on 1700 KBGG. So tonight, right after I get off the airwaves, it will be Kansas City Chiefs football. You hear from Mitch Holtis in preparation for the game. Now, I'm trying to give you winners. It's been up. It's been down. Uh, we'll, we'll see tonight. I just I have a sneaking suspicion this evening. Kansas City's a better football team. Kansas City offensively, obviously, can put points up in bunches. But in this environment, Monday night football, first national stage now for Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense, I, I do have some concerns. The Broncos are not what they were defensively just a couple years back. Von Miller's still outstanding on the outside. But I, I look at this game, and I really think that we are going to see a good football game, a football game that will continue into the fourth quarter, and, and it'll be tight. I'm grabbing the three and a half. I'm surprised the way the point spread has moved down in terms of the betting perspective. Look, I'm grabbing the points. It's as simple as that. We will see, and uh, we will live to see another day tomorrow. But you don't have to go anywhere. We have the Kansas City Chiefs for you this evening. Back to what we talked about at the top of the program today. Of course, the Cubs take it in the chin. 3-1 losers today. Just some incredible numbers that are coming out, and you know, they just had to scratch out a little bit, did the Brewers, and that's what they did. But take a look at these numbers. This 
absolutely bewildering for the Cubs. Most games this season with zero or one run scored. Very simple metric. The Mets, 35 times. They weren't good. The Giants, 36 times. They weren't good. The Marlins, 37 times. They were bad. And the Orioles were historically inept. It happened to them 40 times. The Cubs, though, were on this list. 39 times. Just one less time than the godforsaken Baltimore Orioles. There's the Cubs. 39 times scoring zero or one runs this season. Game 163. It was compelling. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. Hater coming in. Cubs fans, I know the Brewers got a lot of guys to hate. I get it. I know you can throw a lot of shade because of the way that your fan base covers your team. That's a good Brewers team. I've been singing their praises all season long. And as I've talked about, going back to the summer and here throughout the month of August and September, team I least want to see. If I'm a team of anybody in the National League, the Brewers were the team I least wanted to see with what they can do in the back end of the bullpen. Saw Knabel come in. Of course, you saw Hader at the end. Jeffress, that's a guy that's outstanding. Soria certainly has history on his side. How about Shasin today? That's slider. You know, they're talking about one of the most underrated pitchers, maybe pitches in baseball is his slider. He was outstanding outside of giving the Rizzo homer. Lorenzo Kane with the big hit. Braun with the big hit to make it 3-1. And Christian Yelich finishes a home run in RBI shy of the triple crown. He does win the batting crown, though. What a player. And the way that he played over the final couple of weeks of the season, certainly the MVP. And now, Cubs fans, you wait. And right now, it looks like the Rockies are going to be the team making their way to Wrigley Field tomorrow. So there it is, and that will be happening tomorrow. The American League wildcard game, Yankees and A's then, comes up on Wednesday. Baseball, nothing better than this. Cubs fans, I know you're upset. I know you're frustrated. This is what baseball wanted. You can complain about the number of games that you want. This is what Major League Baseball wanted. They wanted... Winning the division to be important. To win the division, you got to outlast everybody. You weren't able to do it against the Brewers. You won the season series, that doesn't matter. All that got you is home field. It's what baseball wanted. And it's a good thing. Because you want teams competing to the end. You want teams out there not flushing away the end of the season like the godforsaken Yankees did a decade ago. That's how we got to the point. Blame the Yankees. Don't get mad at the Brewers. Get mad at the Yankees. They're the ones that screwed this all up. Stupid Yankees. I say that as a Ford Lawn Twins fan and had to see them. Punt away the end of the season so they could get the wild card and get the Twins in the opening round. And then, of course, we see what happens. Speaking of the Twins, one final time. Joe Maurer yesterday, his send-off. It was incredible. It really was. And Joe Maurer is a baseball player that many will be we'll talk about him for a long time and what could have been if the injuries never happened if the concussions weren't there bilateral leg weakness became a running joke for the Minnesota Twins but all this guy did was go out there went healthy game in and game out competed at the highest level did it with class never ruffled any feathers This was the kind of guy you want to build your franchise around. A Minnesota-born kid that did it right, 
never found himself in the middle of controversy, never in trouble, never with a hint of PEDs, none of that. He did it right throughout the course of his career. And this is it. If this is the way that he goes out, and yesterday, as he went out one final time, he put on the gear, took one final pitch, and then walked away. Hats off to you, Joe Maurer. You're an all-time great. And maybe a Hall of Famer. And another thing, how disappointing was it what we saw at the Ryder Cup? You know, Friday, they get off to the good start. Everything is feeling good there, looking like a positive. And then it starts to go the other way. Friday afternoon, at least over there happens. And that just completely collapses. Get excited to get up and watch that thing and completely derailed. And then you have uh, the questions that always seemingly come up about making the right choice, who to go with, where to go. That's been out there. Saw, um, no surprise, you got Patrick Reed saying he was blindsided by the decision not to play him with Jordan Spieth, said that they have a buddy system, they know what they do. Look, they made the wrong choice. It's as simple as that. Going with Phil Mickelson. Tiger, of course. Tiger was playing as well as anybody. That makes complete sense. But to go down the route of Phil Mickelson, going to that well one more time, it didn't work. And as Americans, can't we just find the guy that actually knows how to play a course like that? How come every single time, go across the pond, we got to watch it bright and early. I mean, he got beat 17 and a half to 10 and a half. That's a blowout. That's like getting beat 49 nothing in a football game. What has happened? 10 nothing in a baseball game. Just absolutely baffling. I don't get it. I don't know golf well enough. The Ryder Cup, look, it happens in the middle of football season. I don't get overly fired up about it, but I was excited to watch something. And, and that's what you get. Flipped over there Sunday afternoon. See Phil hit one in the drink, just rough. Got to be better than that. There's got to be a better way, you would hope. Alas, that's not the case. Another woof, another woof from Team USA at the Ryder Cup. With that, we are out of here for today. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. We will be back tomorrow live here starting at noon with our sports programming. Myself and Ken Miller over your lunch hour from 12 until 2. And on your drive home, Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6 o'clock. The Hawkeye Huddle will be back tomorrow. The guys will join us, Dave Creighton Jr. and Brett Ridge. A lot going on in the world of the Hawkeyes as they prepare for hate week, the Gophers, and the battle for Floyd of Rosedale. That will come up tomorrow from 5 until 6 o'clock. Before it, myself and Ken Miller from 12 to 2, Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 5 o'clock. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, Kansas City Chiefs football plays here all season long, home and away on 1700 KBGG. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.